Everett's greatest hits, sports, and more. KRKO Everett. Well, look at that. It's already Thursday night in downtown Everett in Snohomish County. It's time for Prep Sports Weekly right here on KRKO. Tom Lafferty here. Steve Willits over there. Hey, Tom. Hey. First time I think I've ever been in studio, first week of March. Yes. March, usually, March 4th. Usually we would be doing this show from the Tacoma Dome. We have in the past anyway. Right. And we're, we're here instead. But, hey, you know what? I'm not going to complain. We've got sports back. It was 365 days ago. Actually, 66 days ago. Tomorrow was the last time we did any kind of high school sports. We did have a, a one or Because we didn't have a championship team on Saturday, right? Right. We did do a Silver Tips game a little later in that week, and then they pulled the plug on everything. Okay, yes, because I think it was – I've got the – is it the 4th through the 7th? Is that when we were in Tacoma last yep. year? Sounds yep. right. Yep. So one year ago today was the opening round of the uh, of the tournament then on a Wednesday. Well, except this Wednesday, is – Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, today's Thursday. That's But it was Wednesday <laughs> last year, though. Yes, it was. So yep. a year ago yep. today. Yep. I, th- I think in terms of the date, not th- or okay. not the day of the week. So, oh, yeah. so I, three- I think of day of the week. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we're, we're here tonight, and we've yep. got a lot to talk about, and it should be a fun show. Who's on the show tonight? Coming up here in just a moment, we're going to talk to Austin Johnson. He is a Mount Lake Terrace High School alum. If you get the Everett Herald, you've, uh, you've probably or you at least should have read about him. Doing some great things in the community. Austin, uh, just give everybody a little reminder here, recently ran a 24-hour run around his neighborhood, or I guess around Centennial Trail in Lake Stevens, ran 80 miles to raise money and awareness for the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. So we'll talk to him about 80? that. 80 miles, 8-0, over 24 hours. Wow. I think it was like 133,000 uh, steps. You know, he must have a Fitbit going there. So we'll find out from him in just a moment. And oh, by the way, since it's raining here right now and it hasn't been the most pleasant of evenings weather-wise, Austin's in Hawaii, so he'll maybe well, throw a little sunshine our way. So sheesh. we'll talk to him in just a moment. Uh, later on in the show tonight, we're going to talk to Brandon Davis. He is the head football coach for the Granite Falls Tigers. Big Friday night for them last week. Black and Blue Bowl, first football game in Snohomish County in over 15 months. And his team goes out and gets a 22-20 to overtime victory over Sultan. So we'll talk to Brandon about the game. We'll then talk to Mindy, and here we go. I've been trying to practice this one all night here. Staudinger. Hopefully I got that right. Staudinger. I'm sorry. Staudinger. It's a German name. So uh, Mindy, we just called her by her first <laughs> we'll call name. Mindy. Head, head coach over at Jackson for the volleyball team. They also are undefeated. Picked up a uh, three sets to zero victory over Edmonds Woodway on Tuesday. And then finally, later on in the show tonight, our beloved historian, Larry O'Donnell, to share a story with us about a football game that was played 126 years ago. Wow. Stay tuned for that. Wow. Today's show brought to you by Hometown Handyman, Screen Printing Northwest, the law office of Russell and Hill, the Buzz Inn Steakhouse, Glass by Lund, Ace Hardware Stores, and Lake Stevens, Everett, and Stanwood, Everett Safe and Lock, and Allstate Insurance Agent Brian Reed. A name that's much easier to say than Staudinger is Austin Johnson. Austin joining us right now. Mount Lake Terrace High School alum, a man after my own heart there, also a Briar native, so I have to throw that out there. Austin, uh, I'm guessing the weather's a little bit nicer where you are right now. Give us an update from Hawaii. I'm staring out at Molokai. It's about 82 degrees. few clouds, so that's a bummer, but not, not a whole <laughs> lot to complain about. <laughs> the bummer of the clouds. Well, you know what? I, th- I think you've earned this trip, by the way. And, again, I think a lot of people around here in Snohomish County definitely know about you at this point. The Herald's doing a nice job, and our, our friend Cameron Van Til. I know he did, a, I think, a before and after article about you in the Herald. Mm-hmm. And so let's go ahead and talk about this for a minute. Well, first and foremost, all-area baseball player back in the day. Uh, two district championships, right, for the Hawks? Yep, two. We won my sophomore year and my senior year. So sophomore and senior year, you're a district champ. And I, I guess before I let you go here, I'm going to ask you about the Mount Vernon championship game. I was given a heads up by my buddy Andrew Waters, who was your head coach. But we'll get to, <laughs> we'll get to that here shortly here. But we got to get to this run that you did. Now, again, star baseball player, you played a little college ball. How did it get to where you wanted to actually go out and raise money for the prevention of suicide and, and uh, mental health awareness? Where where have you been in terms of your ups and downs and your peaks and valleys in, in terms of mental health, and how did how did it get to you get to you where you are doing what you're doing now? Yeah, I mean, it started at a young age, um, just going through some things. My parents got divorced at a pretty young age. 
that was just kind of gnarly for a few years. So just going through that, and uh, you know, just dealing with other other growing pains that kids go through and just trying to kind of work my way through those feelings and emotions, not really knowing always where to put them. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of just carried on into early adulthood, into college, but I always had the baseball thing, I would say, to sort of mask it maybe is a good way or just take my mind off of it because I could put my energy and focus into something else and get attention for it and get praise and get friendships and get a lot of things out of it. So I just kind of chased chased that through baseball. And then when that came to a close, I hadn't really thought about it. Um, and it sort of just hit me like a truck, um, just kind of being out in the real world and, and um, not really knowing, not really having much direction, not really knowing where I wanted to go, who I was, um, still dealing with a lot of these issues of depression, which I hadn't really put a name to it or, um, you know, diagnosis. I wasn't seeing a counselor or anything like that. It was just something I just was continuously dealing with. So after college ended, I just kind of lost myself for a while, a couple over a couple years span, um, not in any external way. I was doing well at work. I got a good job. Me and my fiance got engaged. Uh, a lot of good things were going on in my life. I just wasn't feeling good at all about myself. I felt like a complete loser every day. I felt like I was taking steps downward instead of upward, even though, you know, like I said, from the from the outside, it looked like life kept getting better day by day, but I, I just felt the opposite. Um, and I just kind of ended up leaning, learning, leaning into, um, I found some online mentors, David Goggins, Cameron Haynes, a few of these guys that were just guys who had different stories, nothing necessarily similar to mine, but they had just found this outlet through pushing themselves um, in different ways, but running being a big one. And so I just kind of tried that and started with like a half mile and I was gassing out, which is pathetic. I used to run quite a bit in high school and in college, but um, that would just shows you where I was at at 23, 24 years old. I was in a bad spot. Um, and so that ended up, you know, I made it the half mile and then it ended up being a mile. And then I just kind of kept doubling it two miles, four miles, eight miles. Um, I did a, I think a half marathon maybe as a training run for the first marathon I did. And then that, that was it. That was the longest run I had done until I did my first marathon. Which is um, 26.2 miles. We should point out for the yeah, casual listener. Yeah. 26.2. And then, um, and you decided that, that wasn't I, enough, right? So you had to keep going. <laughs> yeah. I kind of had always, you know, I heard of this thing called ultra running and it kind of excited me as I would say after the. After the marathon, it kind of hit me in a different way because after the marathon, I was like completely done. I was crying. I, I was hurting. I felt terrible. And then, you know, maybe 10 minutes later, I'm walking back to the car and it's just kind of like dawning on me. You know, I'm like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not dead. I'm fine. I'm here walking back to the car. I'm going to go back to the hotel, get a shower. Like there's a lot more in the tank, even though it doesn't feel like it. So just seeing how far you could kind of push that, um, and I didn't, I didn't do any races or anything at first um, that were longer than that distance. Uh, me and the, me and a good friend of mine, we did some long runs, but nothing longer than that. And then we signed up for a 50-kilometer race, which is uh, 31 or 32. I think our race ended up being like 32 or 33 miles total, and that went really well. And it was almost one of those things where it, it was. Uh, it was harder in some senses than the marathon, but easier in other ways. And so it was kind of just that same dawning of, okay, you know, there's a lot more that you can do than you think you can do. Um, and I felt like I was really translating running in my regular life um, as far as like when things get really tough, when I'm trying to deal with, you know, currently really trying to deal with some of these depression issues and, and things. Well, so when did, when did you decide that you were going to make it into a, a way to actually bring awareness to to mental health and suicide prevention? We, we wanted to – I wanted to find a way to just get the community involved. Um, like I said in the Herald article, you know, I felt like people were so, so involved uh, in the COVID relief funds and all these things. And I felt like if they could, if you could just bring awareness to, like, mental health because so many people are struggling with it, those same people would want to help. 
So I organized this run. Um, I just put it out on a GoFundMe, set it up through my social media and my wife's Facebook, just put it out there to close family and friends. And it just kind of started growing. Um, the Herald article came out. Then it blew up. The, the funds went up to like, you know, they started out at, my goal was $2,000. I raised that. And then after the Herald article, it got up to like maybe $8,000. And then Q13 Fox, they reached out. I did an interview with them. And it, it just kept going up and up and up and up. Um, I think by the time I started the race, we were around like $20,000. And then as of uh, the, the, the funds were donated on March 1st. Um, through the GoFundMe, and we ended up finishing with over $24,000. Outstanding. And now, so you did this, uh, now you live in Lake Stevens now, correct? Yes. So you did this at Centennial Park, or at least a portion of Centennial Park? Yeah, so I did the first, uh, I started at 7 a.m., and I ran till just after 7 p.m. at the Centennial Trail. Um, I did a one and a quarter mile out and back, so a total of two and a half miles per lap. And I ran that for the first 12 hours or so, and then um, we moved back home. I live about a mile or two down the road by Lundin Park, so we moved we moved back there, and I had about a mile and a half loop set up through the park, and then we had a, a little makeshift aid station set up in our driveway at the end of our driveway, and I just ran through the night at home. And support group? I mean, when you're running at 2 in the morning and you're running in the pitch black dark, I mean – what what does that look like? Are you out on the trail at that point? Do you have somebody following you with a light or? Yeah, I had me me and my buddy were running together. We both yeah we had headlamps. Um, I had a few people in the community that stopped by in the night that ran with me. Um, my dad he was on a bicycle for most of the night. He was out there riding with me just with a headlamp. Um, that was also part of the reason we moved home. We had a little bit of street light. It wasn't the best, but it was something so we could see. Um, and then my wife was with me the whole night. So there was there was uh, me, my good buddy Tyler, my wife, and my dad. The four of us. That was the that was the crew through the night. The last twelve hours, we made a hard push together, and there was some tough times for sure. <laughs> and and kind of like Forrest Gump, people would join you along the way. Did I see Cavalero Middle School? Did they join yep. you for a little bit? Yep, there was uh, some kids. They were about half. It was the Lake Stevens High School cross country team. I think about half the kids were Cavalero ninth graders, and then the rest were sophomores through seniors uh, up at the high school. But they were all on the cross country team at, at Lake Stevens, and yeah, they came out and ran with me. And when they came out as a crew, I was like maybe I was approaching 50 miles, and so I was I was kind of hobbling along. I was hurting at that point. But still moving, um, and they, the first time I saw them, they came around the corner, and they were running at a pretty good, they were at race pace, and so I, was, <laughs> I wasn't sure, I wasn't sure if they were going to be disappointed, or if they were going to think it was impressive that I was hobbling, I wasn't sure what to think, but uh, it was, it was pretty incredible for them to come out and support the way they did, it was really cool. And other members of the community you mentioned throughout the night, I, I saw there was some video online of people congratulating you at times or in the early morning hours yeah you know all through the day there was people we had must have had uh, i mean there must have been close to 100 people throughout the day that stopped by um and then that was down at the centennial trail um just people throughout the community they'd stop by for five minutes five minutes some of them would stop by they'd come and walk a lap with their dog i mean just all kinds of things it was really cool to stop and talk to them share their listen to their stories that they shared um and then when we moved to the night section at home, um, I was a couple laps in, and I, I get back to the aid station, and there was a couple gentlemen there, probably in their 30s or 40s, and they were waiting for us. And and uh, you know they were talking to my wife, and they just said, "Hey, we saw your we saw your story in the article. Our friend told us about it, and we just wanted to come and run a couple laps with you." They only stayed, I think, for one lap, and probably took us 20, 30 minutes, but just total strangers, and we had a great talk, and it was really, really cool. Um, and then I had a few other people that joined me, a good friend that joined me early in the morning um, on both. He started with me for like the first couple hours, and then he came back at about 5 a.m. and finished the last couple hours running with me. Um, 
it, it was really it was really cool the, the support just the way people the people showed up whether it was walking laps or running with me uh it didn't matter just to see them out there and, and doing whatever they could do to you know show their support in their own way it was really awesome very cool now i've, I've done some marathon running in my time just measly little 26 mile runs so nothing like the 80 mile or you did but i <laughs> i know when i get to the finish line I, I always want to eat out i always want to drink and then i want to go to sleep uh yeah. What was your what was your morning like after the run? Uh, right after the run, we you know we cle- we cleaned everything down and and we made it probably till about nine o'clock and then finally everybody was gone. The house was somewhat cleaned up and so me and my wife headed down to a local restaurant in Lake Stevens and um, I wasn't really hungry. I was kind of going ah, I don't know maybe I'll just get a small snack or something. I just wasn't feeling very good. But we got there and they had a big, huge picture of uh, chicken fried, chicken fried steak and gravy, and, <laughs> and that that hit that hit the spot. So Extra gravy that at that I point. Think, yeah, exactly. I think I put that down in about five minutes, and it was it was a pretty impressive breakfast. So if people are figuring it out, it's seventy six miles from here to Leavenworth. So you went four four miles past Leavenworth. <laughs> if you're in a from here. Yeah, let's take the mountain out. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'll even give him the mountain at this point. That's okay, impressive. All right, all right. <laughs> hey, uh, Austin, I guess the, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on, too, is because, and you already touched on it a little bit early on here, we're going through a pandemic. We, we've got high school athletes and coaches and parents that listen to this show. Kids are dealing with a lot right now. I, I know I mean, it doesn't even take a pandemic for them to get to that point, and that's part of your story there. What's the, uh, what's the overlying message that you want to get across to I was going to say young people, but to everybody for that matter. What if if somebody needs help? If somebody gets in a dark place, and I should also point out, and I don't think he'll mind me sharing this, but your your head baseball coach Andrew Waters, he and I grew up together. So I reached out to him when I was going to do this interview with you, and he was he was surprised. It sounded like to me because he said he never saw that side of you on the baseball field that that you were you know he didn't know you were dealing with any of this. So I, I think that goes to show also that sometimes people kind of suppress it or hide it a little bit and rather than get it out in the open. So what is the message that you have for people? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, I think what you just said is so true, you know, not just uh, not just close people and mentors like coaches and Coach Waters, but cl- close friends, really close family. I mean, I don't know how many people came up to me and said, hey, I had no idea, you know, and I don't I don't mean to smirk like that. It's just, it's so true. It, it's just, I, I guess I didn't realize that I put on that good of a mask, and I think that that's a big thing that a lot of people who suffer don't realize, that sometimes they do put on that mask, and maybe some people don't notice. And so, you know, the thing I found through running is um, running's just my thing, but I just found physically that when times get hard when you're running and you're, you're in a tough place, if you just keep pushing forward, you'll get through, and it will get easier. Maybe Maybe easier isn't the best word, but but that's the only word I can think of. Um, it just, it gets, it gets easier every step you take. And so I think that is the message is just take that first step, whether that's reaching out for help, telling a family member you're struggling, whatever, whatever it is that you need to do personally, take that first step because then steps two, three, four, and five are going to come a lot easier once you just take that first one. Um, you know, there, and there isn't a finish line. I think that's the other story with, with the ultra running is to keep pushing it because life doesn't, there is no finish line. It's just you just keep going, um, and so you just have to keep pushing. And times times are going to get tough, and then it'll get easy, and then it'll get tough. It's like a marathon. Life really is a marathon. You know, it, it comes and goes in waves, and you just have to keep pushing forward one step at a time. Well said. And before we let you go, I do need to bring it back around because I mentioned it earlier. Mount Vernon championship game, your senior year, correct? Yeah. Big big day for you. Yeah, it was a good day. I remember that day. Everett Memorial uh, Stadium, did. right? Yeah, my good buddy Chris, I played select ball with him. He went to uh, Washington State. Chris McDougall, uh, he was a very – McDowell, he was a very good pitcher. Uh, and I I was really nervous that game. I was the leadoff hitter. I knew how good he was because I played with him. Um, and I had a really good day. I, I think I was three for four or four for five, something like that. I think I had a, two triples and a double. Um, I think we won – Four to four to one, four to two, something like that. And I, I believe they were the number one team in the they, state. I think at that they were time. undefeated, if I remember right. Yeah, I know they were undefeated. I, I remember when we showed up, we had all shaved, we had all shaved mohawks and then grown out mullets at the same time. So we had these <laughs> like mohawk mullet deals going on. We had 
face paint going on. And I remember we were both warming up in the opposite uh, uh, batting cages. And I remember all of them kind of looking a little suspicious maybe or nervous. I don't know what the right word is, but we, we all kind of felt like we had them just from the, just from the hairdos. Well, well, I can tell by looking at the picture you sent us earlier that we're going to put up online la- or later on tonight. You haven't shaved in a while now, so there's a little bit of a difference between your, <laughs> yeah. your district game and, and now. So, yeah, you sporting the uh, the long beards. But, uh, again, Austin, congratulations, and, and thank you from the community for what you're doing and, and for bringing awareness to something that is a very serious topic at all times, but specifically during a pandemic. And for you to raise that money for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention outstanding work you deserve your vacation so i hope you and your wife zoe are having a phenomenal time and best wishes to you in the field what's next by the way do you have another run coming up um i'm I, i'm training for uh ironman Coeur d'Alene. i'm gonna do a ironman triathlon that's mm-hmm. just i'm not triathlon isn't my favorite thing i really just enjoy running but um in the kind of this endurance ultra endurance sphere that i'm going for you know i feel like ironman's kind of the the gold standard. So I, I want to get one of those under my belt. And then I think after that, I want to get back to running. I really like trail running. So I think a hundred mile race is what's coming next. Ooh, okay. Tom and I will be sitting up here in the, uh, the studio while you're doing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Hey, again, con- congratulations on everything. And, uh, Hey, safe travels to you. And, uh, we'll, we'll keep following you and see what you're up to uh, next time around. Thanks Austin. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it for having me on. There you go, Austin Johnson from your old stomping grounds. Yeah, Melly Ma- for Briar, for that matter. Briar, go, go Briar. Yeah. I got to give a Briar shout out, my hometown. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, those Ironmans, by the way, I think off the top of my head, what, 2.4 mile swim, right. followed by a 112 mile bike ride, and then it's followed by a, a marathon run, 26.2 miles. Yeah. You got 24 hours to complete it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, wow. No, no thank you. <laughs> hey, you know what? What's Let's that? Let's talk some football. Football, a game last week wow. in Snohomish County. We're going to talk to the winning coach. Prep Sports Weekly right here on KRKO. Hi, I'm Brian Reed. As your local Allstate agent, providing protection that fits your life is something I take, well, personally. I am committed to learning about your needs and personalizing protection to meet them. From bundling your auto, home, and life insurance with ease to evaluating optional coverage based on your protection needs, I can build an insurance proposal that fits your life. Are you in good hands? Contact me, Brian Reed, at either of my Everett locations 425-337-4646. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Life insurance offered through Allstate Life Insurance Company and Allstate Assurance Company, Northbrook, Illinois, and American Heritage Life Insurance Company, Jacksonville, Florida. Microsoft certifications can help you take the next step in your career, and Snow Isle Libraries can help for free. Just go to snow-isle.org and click on Services, then Career and Job Help. You'll find a wealth of resources, including tutorials and online courses to get you up to speed on software from Adobe, Microsoft, and more. When you're ready to take the test, follow the instructions on the blog post. It's easy, free, and helps your resume stand out. Microsoft certifications with Snow Isle Libraries, here for you and for everyone. snow-isle.org, click Services, then Career and Job Help. Ace Hardware is a helpful place with prompt, friendly service, knowledge, and the little things that make a big difference. Service. Selection. Advice. Community involvement. Competitive prices. Convenience. Located near you. And the things you need, such as... House keys. Lawn and garden. Plumbing. Electrical. Hardware. Grills. Outdoor living supplies. And even nuts and bolts. When you visit Ace Hardware, you'll be greeted at the door and given the help you need. So come visit us at Ace Hardware in Evergreen Way in Everett, Lake Stevens, and now Stanford. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks justice is easy if you know what to do call 800-0842 the law offices of russell and hill are proud sponsors of the krko prep sports student athlete of the month these student athletes have demonstrated excellence on the field of play and in the classroom russell and hill believes in being part of your community and salutes those who give the extra effort Russell and Hill will fight for you. Call 800-0842. School is back in session, and the hometown handyman in Monroe gives a big salute to all the student-athletes out there prepping for the most unique season we've ever seen. So whether you're from Monroe or Lake Stevens, Snohomish, or anywhere really, Hometown Handyman salutes your hard work and dedication. The Hometown Handyman, proud to support local sports and happy to give back to the local community. Find out more info at hometownhandymanpnw.com. Again, hometownhandymanpnw.com.
And Prep Sports Weekly continues on this Thursday night. Tom Lafferty along with Steve Willits, and we actually get to talk like real American football. For the first time in over 15 months, we had a football game in Snohomish County last week. The Emerald Sound League, the first game ever for them. And we're on the phone right now with the winning coach from that game, Granite Falls, defeating Sultan 22-20 to in overtime. And Brandon Davis joining us right now. Coach, congratulations on not only being back out there on the field, but congratulations on a huge victory over your biggest rival. Thank you. It's uh, Thank you guys for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, so how surreal was it? I mean, you're, you're not used to coaching in February. You're not used to, you know, ha- having a, an empty stadium, especially for you guys. I know when, when you're playing the Black and Blue Bowl, people tend to show up for that game. Was it was it one of those moments where you just kind of looked out in the, into the audience or into the crowd and thought, what are we doing here? Yeah, uh, at first it was definitely you know, when we get off the bus and, you know, everything feels real different. But once the, uh, once the game started going, I don't think any of us noticed. I think we were all just pretty happy to be back and to finally being able to uh, – play a little football and get back to a little bit of normalcy. Well, we should point out too, and I know we had Scott Sifferman on the the show recently. He's the athletic director as well as the, he's the athletic director at Sultan as well as the president of the Emerald Sound Conference. And he was pointing out that you guys are doing a a postseason, if you will. It's a one week, essentially it's a one gamer. So you guys are playing in a five team league. You're you're doing a round robin with, Mm -hmm. with Sultan Kings, Cedar Park Christian and South Woodby. Best record or best two records, I guess, after that five-game round robin, you're going to play a championship game at the end. That just makes this game even that much bigger, doesn't it? I mean, it's not one of those things where you can go, well, opening game loss. We've got eight or nine more games to right the ship, so to speak. It's it's a big deal when you're playing these games right now. Yeah, definitely. Every game definitely counts. I mean, that's always true. You know, we try not to look too far ahead, but, you know, we're just taking it one week at a time, and, you know, we're just – just trying to do do the best we can, and uh, you know the wins and losses will come as they go, and we'll you know we'll worry about that fifth week when it gets here. Well, and I've got to tell you, I watched a lot of the game on Turks TV that uh, Sultan has set up over there, so I uh, was watching throughout the game, and I didn't, if I'm being honest, I, I wasn't giving you much of a chance to win there for a while. It was, I think, in the third <laughs> quarter, it was stuck at 14-14, but to use a soccer expression, they were on your side of the field almost the entire game, even when you, when you had the ball, you were in a hole. They Sultan twice you you forced a fumble on them on the goal line as they were getting ready to score twice you got a touchback with the ball going out of bounds and then late in the game with under a minute to go I think you guys blocked a 25 yard field goal talk a little bit about how crazy that second half was and just the fact that your guys kind of persevered through everything yeah absolutely well you know I uh, got to give a lot of credit to Sultan and coach right over there they did a great job at halftime making some adjustments and stuff and and uh, made it a little difficult for us. But uh, our guys are just resilient that game, and they absolutely had the, the bend-not-break mentality where it didn't matter where they, you know, where the ball was or where you know, Sultan was. They, uh, they just absolutely dug their cleats in and, and, uh, and persevered. So it just, i got to give a lot of credit to our guys. They did a phenomenal job, and especially after, after having a year-and-a-half layoff, uh, they they picked things up there pretty quickly, so just super proud of our guys and our and our team as a whole. So do do you practice the force the fumble on the goal line play? Is that something that's in your repertoire, or, or is there a little luck that <laughs> goes day. along with that too? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, there was a little luck definitely. The ball bounced our way there a couple of times, but we do. I mean, we do drills. You know, we do little uh, uh, ball drills there every day, a part of our daily drills. And and but it really is just our kids just making a play there. I don't think there's a a drill you can do to force a fumble on a goal line twice and block a field goal. So, it, you know, our kids have stepped up and, and we're super proud of them. Well, and then we get to overtime and now it's the Kansas City overtime rule. So every, both teams get the ball twice or one time each from the 25-yard line. Sultan gets the ball first. They score a touchdown and miss the extra point. So you're in do or die mode. If you don't score a touchdown, at the very least, the game's over. I think you converted one-fourth down. You ended up scoring, I think, on third and nine. Talk about mm-hmm. having to persevere. I you guys did it again, and when your offense seemed to be sputtering kind of in the second half there a little bit, they, they came alive at the right time, I guess. Yeah, they really just uh, picked it up when, when they really needed to, and we got a few crucial blocks up front, and, and things just kind of fell into place there in overtime, and, and luckily for us, it just, it just kind of worked out for us. And now, was it an easy decision to go for two? 20, 20, you scored the touchdown, so it was 20-20. to 20. You just need a single point to win, and you sent the offense back out onto the yeah. field. 
Yeah, we did. So we talked a little bit about it, approaching that, you know, if we wanted to go for two or not. And we looked at the weather conditions and, and they were pretty bad. And there already been a few missed kicks. And uh, Coach Bechtold, our offensive coordinator, had the had the perfect play drawn up. And, and really it just came down to trusting our guys. And we, we trusted we could we could uh, get get that two points there. So it wasn't really that hard of a decision when it really came down to it. Yeah, a touched, uh, pass completion in the end zone to give you the victory. Give us some names. Talk about not only maybe some of the players who were key contributors on Friday night, but who are some of the other players that we should be watching moving forward? Guys that deserve to have yeah, their absolutely. name read on the radio. Yeah, absolutely. There's a few of them. So, uh, for one, Luis Hernandez, I think he proved on Friday that he's a guy that people should look out for uh, scoring the uh, you know, winning touchdown and the, and the two-point conversion. Jared Barth would be another one. He he blocked our the extra point there, and it's kind of a menace up front. Hugh Gonzalez is a guy that gets overlooked a lot. Great uh, great football mind. He's an awesome kid. His second year with us, and I believe he scored a couple touchdowns as well. And then we have a new quarterback this year with Riley Hoople, and he's done a phenomenal job. He hasn't played football in a few years as well. He's a wrestling guy and absolutely just stepped up and has done, you know, we couldn't ask anything more of him. He's done absolutely excellent, so that would be another one. Very good. And now you've got a home game coming up tomorrow night, right? You're playing Cedar Park Christian, is that correct? That is correct, yep, tomorrow for- night at at uh, our place. So first home game of the season, and if, and if memory serves me correctly, the Emerald Sound Conference, you can have a, f- a few fans at the game, right? So our moms and dads and grandparents, are they able to uh, to come watch? Yeah, with limited capacity. So we'll be able to get a few people in there if uh, um, if everything stays the same right now. So we're looking forward to having, having some home fans. Will be, and it'll be great for the kids to have, be able to have their families there, especially the seniors have their, have their families there to watch them. And did I see correctly, did Cedar Park Christian end your season last year? Was it a fourteen seven uh, yeah. game? Was that at the end yeah. or was that near the end? It it was at the end. Yeah, they we lost to them last year uh, towards the end of the year and kind of put us out of winning the conference. So close game. What what can we expect tomorrow night? Another t- tough defensive battle? Are we are we expecting or? Yeah, well, we know Cedar Park Christian likes to run the ball and we like to run the ball, so it'll probably be uh, some similarities between last week and this week. Probably pretty quick game on the clock the clock should be running quite a bit <laughs> with uh, how much we both like to run but i think it'll be a good game and they're well coached and and we're looking forward to it so it should be pretty exciting to watch i hope well hey if, it, if it's anything like the game last week everybody's going to really enjoy watching it again brandon davis the head coach for granite falls getting the w undefeated so far to start the season with a 22 20 overtime thriller over sultan and, and brandon congratulations once again and good to have you guys back and wish the uh, the tigers the best of luck Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. It's okay. That was <laughs> I thought maybe you'd fill there. Oh, it's I know been, it was the show we were yeah, it, pushing it, buttons and it, it's <laughs> been so long since we've done an actual coach's carousel. Yeah, we haven't done a carousel in a while. No. We usually do one interview and then we go to commercial break and we're just keeping this thing rolling tonight. So good good way to start off. And then I get to try to maybe mess up her name here in just a moment. I was emailing with her earlier, but we're gonna go from football to volleyball right now. And joining us right now. And I'm going to have a little fun with her because I did Google her name earlier and the, the things you learn, right? Former Everett Herald Volleyball Player of the Year when she was at Marysville Pilchuck High School. Went on to play at Montana State. And here's the fun one here. The starting catcher for the 1989 Marysville Little League Softball All-Star Team who made it all the way to the Little League Softball World Series Finals in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Big deal right there. And back then her, fr- her teammates called her, was it, was it Mindy Moe? Yes, <laughs> Mindy, I did my homework. It's uh, Mindy is joining us right now. Uh, Staudinger. Did I, how did I do in the last name? Yeah, you did it right. Staudinger, that's correct. Mindy Staudinger on the phone right now with us. I screwed it up the second time there. Uh, from Jackson High School, the varsity volleyball coach. And Mindy, do you think your players just learned something by listening to the radio? Did, did they know you were a Little League star player that almost won a national championship? You know, some of them might know, but not many. I think some of those have already come and gone when I've had previous softball players that have played who've kind of learned that. But, yeah, when we had our 70th anniversary. Um, well, I think we're paper. losing you there for a minute. There. Yeah, Mindy, we'll have to <laughs> get, get close to a window and stay still because we're kind of oh, lost you there. Hold for an antenna on your head or whatever <laughs> you need right. to do there. Right. Oh, there oh, we can go. Can you hear me from here? Much yep, better. We're good. Okay. No, I, I had just said when our um, we had our 30-year anniversary, it was in the paper, and some of the girls had seen it then. So 
that that would have been when they had learned about it and learned that I was a catcher. <laughs> so it has Coach Peacock, who's won multiple state championships over there at Jackson, coaching the softball team. Is he? Did he read that and figure, well, I better get get Coach over here to help me out a little bit with the with the catching? Well, or I don't think he even knows. I'm not <laughs> sure, but no. We might have to share that with him now. Well, let's <laughs> let's go from talking softball in 1989 to talking a little volleyball. A nice three-set victory over Edmonds Woodway the other night. A team that's Coach Bordeaux always has a, a solid squad over there. It's not an easy place to go into and to get a, a sweep, and, and yet you did it. More excited about the three-set victory or just being back out on the, the court? You know, to be quite honest, it's just nice to be out and have an opportunity to have a season. And we were really surprised. Um, I know that there's been a lot of talk about indoor sports and a hesitancy to do it at all. So the fact that we're kind of the tester sport for all other indoor sports we took pretty seriously and we're we're glad to have that opportunity especially for these seniors and frankly all the kids who it's just been hard on them and we're, we're glad to be out so, so that, that's to me even more important than the win the win was nice um we don't usually compete against Edmonds Woodway so that's the first time in my eight years at Jackson that we've played them so did they have the doors wide open and the fans running and all that? Was it cold in there? <laughs> you know, the doors were not wide open. We, we were jokingly saying it was like Fort Knox getting in. <laughs> um, so they did a good job of making sure only people that were on the roster or on a certain pass list were allowed to come in. And there are no fans. They're not allowing us to have any fans. Well, and you know, Tom, the nice thing about Edmonds Woodway, it's like the most cavernous gym that you'll ever right. walk into yep. and yep. and I saw I was watching online a little bit right I looked at the YouTube video three courts like I said it's a massive gym there and when there's when the bleachers are all pulled back in it looks like you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere yeah you know it's it's very similar to our gym our home gym at Jackson so we we felt pretty comfortable in there it's kind of set up similar they had the ble- you know I think the girls felt somewhat at home in in that big space so they, you know, they came in, they had a little bit of jitters, I think, at the very beginning, the first set, and then they just kind of settled in. Now, did you Not a big deal. Take, take the bus there to the game, or were they, how are we doing for transportation right now? Well, we're kind of leaving it out in the open. Um, if you can drive yourself there, you cannot take your, your teammate with you, but drivers can transport themselves to and from. If you are taking the bus, you can still be picked up by a parent this year with a signed waiver that we've done. I mean, at the end of the day, we kind of laughed. We had my 10 girls and myself and our C-team coach on the bus, and on the way back it was one girl, myself, and the C-team coach. So um, that was a bit chilly because the rules for the buses are windows have to be open, all of them. Mm. So it was cold. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, it's always always makes the bus ride a little bit easier when you get the victory, though, too, right? Yes, it does. Well, and, and, you know, all three teams swept. So I was going to ask you about that. Okay, they did sweep then. Well, yep, and, and all three teams, look, you know. Looking at your team from last year, and I know we've had we've had the Lake Stevens girls in here in the past, and I know we've talked about them ad nauseum about how they finished second in state and only had one senior uh, on last year's team and how strong they were returning. But then I look at your team. First of all, you, you knocked off Lake Stevens last year. I think what one out of two or one out of three was it? Is that right? Yeah, we yeah we did beat them three one, and that we that was their only loss last year. So we were pretty happy about that. Yeah, and you um, only had three seniors on that team, correct? I mean, so you were bringing back a strong squad this year. Well, we have eight seniors this year. Yeah, I've never carried that many seniors ever. So this is a heavily laden team for age and experience, if you will. Well, let me put you on the spot here for a moment. Give us some key names of some of the players that, that we should be watching and maybe some of the seniors who have made the biggest impact on this team. So one of the biggest seniors for sure would be Erin Ingram, and she's, she's grown a little bit. So she's a 6'1 senior. She's actually chosen to stay local, and, and she's going to be playing at Everett Community College next year. But she's a big swinger. She's really improved and worked on her – her off-speed game, so she can get up and, and hit the ball pretty hard, but she's really worked on um, having some of that suave uh, added to her game with her rolls and tips and chips that are a little more lethal than they used to be. So she's definitely someone to watch and who's the main contributor as far as an outside hitter position. 
Um, another one that I'm really proud of is uh, Brooklyn Coleman, who will be a middle for us. And Brooklyn, frankly, started as a freshman, going to be a setter. And um, as she moved up, there were just setters ahead of her. But she is so athletically gifted that I just pulled her aside one time and said, hey, we want you on the floor, but I'm looking at you as a middle. And that's going to be a bit of a transition. So she really rose to that occasion. In my opinion, I think middle is the hardest position to play. It's um, such quick movement side to side, and everything happens fast. And she's really, really adapted. She's a fabulous defender. I can keep her in the back. Um, and she's really starting to connect with her swings, which has been fun to see. Um, so those are two big names for seniors for us. And um, also our setter, Alina Powell, she's grown as well. So she's a junior, but she's six one also. And she's a pretty dominant force to be reckoned with as a blocker on the right side. So any of the outside hitters we go up against, um, she she's definitely one to, to be swinging around and not at. Talk so those three players are, are big contributors. And, and the rest of the girls, you know, everyone has their different strengths. And, and, you know, there's not anyone I would say that is going to be like a Samaya that was on Lake Stevens, but everyone contributes and has moments that shine. And, and that's kind of what has formulated this, this cohesion and team, and it's been kind of fun to watch. It's kind of coming together a little bit differently this year just because of those eight seniors, I have three of them are brand new to, to varsity. So there's some meshing and melding that's still being worked out. Talk about your assistant coaches. Who's been helping you out? Oh, my staff is amazing. So we are really lucky. There's sometimes – a lot of transition between schools or teams and people moving and, and what have you. But this will be year five that all four of us are together. So I have a varsity assistant. His name's Bryce. And he's actually been at Jackson for 17 years helping out. For a while he was a JV coach. And then uh, with his work schedule, he ended up just starting to volunteer. And he's been with varsity ever since. Jim McLaughlin is my JV coach. He is our master statistician. And so he does, he keeps all stats for the varsity matches. He prints stuff. The girls have their season career stats. He takes video. We're able to watch and pick things from film because of what he does. He's fantastic with that. And he's a really solid skills coach. So that helps me when girls are coming up from JV as far as being able to fine tune and not have to teach as much. Um, and Angie Crittenden is my freshman coach. She, well, I always say she's the best freshman coach I think any team or program could ever have. She has more energy than anyone you will ever meet in your life. <laughs> and she just has a joy about her that she brings that is contagious. A lot of these times you'll have kids coming into a program, some of them that she gets haven't played. And uh, she... She just has this patience about her and her ability to be a broken record in a really nice way so that they eventually learn some stuff. Um, and as far as Bryce, I skipped over that a little. He is in charge of, for us, doing working with all our setters. That's kind of a niche that he has taken on and is really helpful to me so I can focus more on some play call things and, and uh, defense. And that's Bryce kind of Crowning Shield, right? That is correct. Okay. Crowning Shield. Now, as far as looking at your schedule here, because we don't have a postseason this year, they didn't exactly give you the easiest schedule. I'm looking at some of these teams, and assuming that historically these teams are where we think they are, you've got some tough uh, tough matches coming up. Yes, we do. Do, do you like that schedule? Yeah. I mean, is, would you like to have maybe seen, I mean, I, for lack of a better term, some easier opponents maybe earlier in the season or take on all, all comers? No, I'm one who likes a challenge. You know, I I don't mind shying away from, I mean, excuse me, I will not shy away from any kind of competition. I feel it helps them grow and, you know, gives them a sense, especially if they can pull off a victory, it, it, it's a sense of pride in knowing that you can do it. And even when you fall short, there's so much to be learned from it. But now I'll, we'll take on Lake Stevens. I don't, I, historically Arlington's been pretty good and we get them this year and that's not someone we usually face. GP 
has always been really competitive with us. So, no, we're, we're excited. The girls are they're kind of thrilled to be able to compete against some schools we don't typically get to see, too. So that'll be kind of a fun adventure for them this year. Yeah, I can imagine. Snohomish, Stan, with a few other programs that have had a lot of success lately. And I'm noticing yes. that, that game on Monday, March 15th, that match, a little bit of a homecoming for you. Do you still uh, – I would imagine as a four a four A school versus the three A's, you don't see them as often. Is it still fun to go back to the old alma mater and, and take on the Pilchucks team? Oh or? yeah, it's, yeah, it's always fun to go back. It's kind of funny because half the time my girls go to the bathroom and oh, we found your picture on the wall, <laughs> the little wall, so. the, the wall of fame, so to speak, that they have there. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, no, it's always kind of fun to go back and a little nostalgia walking back in that gym. I can It'll imagine. It'll be a good day. So now when you look at the schedule, are you do you quantify things in terms of how many wins you get this year as far as what success looks like with without a postseason and no district titles or no state or anything like that? Is it do do you look at wins and losses as being more vital than ever, or is it just a matter of let's give our eight seniors a special season to go out on and call it good, whatever it is? Well, you know, this kind of this season is interesting and one of the things I'm sure other coaches can attest to this, male or female sports, but one of the things we noticed right away is a lot of these kids are having a tough time. Some of them just being isolated for so long and then thrown back into things. It can be a somewhat overwhelming for some. We've had some that couldn't even make it through tryouts and ended up not playing. I mean, we have kids that have to step away in the middle of practice because they need a minute and it's not even, it's not laziness. And so we're seeing this, um, a dichotomy of kids. Some are completely fine, some are not. And so really, to me, obviously I would like to win because I'm very, very competitive. But at the same time, my goal and our goal as a program is to really build these girls up in this month. We don't have a lot of time with them. But, you know, often a couple times a week now I'm going to be, I'm sharing some inspirational stories with them, things to give them hope and things to, help them remember, you know, there's life outside the four walls of their homes and that they can do a lot of different things and they're very capable. And to me, that is more important right now than the wins. I mean, I'll I'll certainly take them, but I'm also a coach who you could ask me what my overall record is, and I don't know because I don't pay attention. Um, I like to compete in the moment. Wins are great. You know, awards are great records are great but at the same time my whole goal is building up you know successful contributory young women who can go out and be confident in society so that's that's always my end goal uh, outstanding perspective right there and, and I did want to mention I know home match against Lakewood tomorrow night seven o'clock and, and I'm putting yep. you on the spot here I probably should have looked this up earlier but I think Jackson is going to try to stream a lot of their sporting events this year is that correct so will that game be online for anybody that wants to check yeah. out the, the team Yes, it will be live streamed on the Jackson High School web page, the main web page. They do have the link for the live streaming, and they'll be live streaming all of the varsity and JV matches. And unfortunately, they only have one YouTube channel, so when our, our C team does play, thankfully our coach Angie, her husband George, has been gracious to come and record all of those, so he will be posting them on our Jackson volleyball youtube or i mean facebook page so they'll get to be seen as well definitely so people can find that rather easily too i know i looked up the edmonds woodway match and watched part of that earlier today so i know that it's out there so certainly if anybody wants to and to check out this jackson volleyball team we certainly encourage them to do that well um mindy again thank you very much for your time and uh, thanks for having a little fun with us we we got to go down memory lane for a couple moments there with 1989 and also cover your timberwolves team so we're looking forward to seeing what you can do this year Okay, great. Hey, thank you for your time. There you go. That is Mindy Stoutinger. Did I get that right? Close. I, I, I think Close. you got. I think you got it. You did much better than I did. Jackson volleyball coach. Now we're gonna take it. It's another test coming up. Another history lesson. Larry O'Donnell. We're going back to the 19th century for this one. This should be fun. Prep Sports Weekly on KRKO. Tired of doing battle in the kitchen every night? Time to surrender and take the family to the Buzz In Steakhouse. Dinner doesn't have to be a battle because the Buzz Inn is open again for indoor dining with mouth-watering hand-cut Angus steaks. 
chicken, seafood, burgers, sandwiches, and all-day breakfast. Relax while the Buzz In takes on the hazardous cleanup duty. And with nine locations, there's a Buzz In near you. Check out the menu at buzzinsteakhouse.com. Dine in or take out. The Buzz In Steakhouse, where you always get a great deal on a great meal. It's Mattress Madness. Log on to krko.com for your chance to win a free Sealy Posturepedic from ESC Mattress Center of Everett. Just head to the contest page and enter. It's that easy. One lucky listener is going to win a free queen-size mattress, a $1,250 value to help you sleep easy. Free delivery is included. We'll announce a winner on March 15th, so get online now. krko.com. No purchase necessary. Full rules on It's Mattress Madness, presented by ESC Mattress and Everett's Greatest Hits, KRKO. If you're looking for a place that prints anything for any team, the place to go is Screen Printing Northwest on Colby Avenue in downtown Everett. They're the local experts for custom screen printing and embroidery. Hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, coats, you name it, they can do it. Screen Printing Northwest has been locally owned since 1996, and they're the official screen printer of this radio station. Screen Printing Northwest, 526 Colby Avenue, just north of Everett Avenue in downtown Everett. Go Cougs! At Glass by Lund, if there's one thing they've learned over the past 40 years, it's that supporting the local community is very important. That's why they're huge supporters of Wesco High School sports, especially this year. It doesn't matter when the season starts. It doesn't matter the score. Glass by Lund supports high school sports 100%. And if you need support with windows, shower doors, or skylights, residential or commercial, remember, since 1967, Glass by Lund has been here to serve in your community. To find out more, visit glassbylund.com. Ahoy, skipper and crew. This is Steve Ditto at Everett Yacht Sales right here on the beautiful Everett Waterfront. We are a local family-owned business who believes in supporting our community. We want to help you sell your boat. And boating size doesn't matter. We can help you sell your boat whether it's 12-foot dinghy or 60-foot yacht. We can do it all for you. And don't worry about pricing or someone lowballing you. Or nowadays, you don't want strangers coming out to your house to look at your boat. So whether you're buying or selling a boat, we'd love to help you. Check out our website, everettyachts.com, where people are always first. Prep Sports Weekly continues here on this Thursday night. Tom Lafferty along with Steve Willits. I've gotten so I look forward to the history lesson. I do too. Larry O'Donnell, <laughs> our historian, joining us once again. We've gone back as far as 1920 with Larry when we talked about the Seagulls. Now we should. He yeah. wasn't around. Larry, you weren't around in 1920, <laughs> right? No, I, well, I was, but I missed that game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one might precede you here. We're going to go back even further tonight. Larry, you uh, recently informed me when we were exchanging emails that you had a, a fun story to share with us about a game that took place in 1894. I, right. didn't, I didn't know we had 19th century sports here in Snohomish County, and yet Snohomish and Everett got together and played a little football. That's right. And uh, neither of them identified them as being the high school team, but they were all uh, basically high school age kids. And Everett High School had opened in the fall of 1892, and they were in a little building down on uh, Broadway, in fact, just a half a block from where the uh, event center is now. <clears throat> and, and as I understand it, they would go out and they'd play soccer on what's now Broadway. And uh, then somebody came with the idea, well, let's, let's try this, what they were calling rugby football in those days. And so the kids started playing football amongst each other and decided, well, we got to play somebody. So a game was set up between the Everett and Snohomish boys for Washington's birthday. That's February 22nd of 1894. And they played in Snohomish. And uh, this was a big rivalry because at that time, Snohomish and Everett were in a big battle as to who was going to be the county seat. So that provided kind of the backdrop for a real rivalry between the the, uh, the two teams. And we should point out, so, and I, I did was able to find an article in the Everett Herald that wrote about this a few years back as well. Now, the players supposedly were to be of the age of 18 and under, yet it sounds like Snohomish might have cheated a little bit. Do you know anything about that? <laughs> what? Well, they did uh, according to Everett. In fact, one of the interesting things that came out of that game 
is that there's a report on it in the Everett papers and report in the Snohomish paper. You'd almost think they were two different games. <laughs> and Snohomish doesn't say anything about the older boys. And uh, Everett thought that there were at least three or four kids that uh, were beyond the age of 18 because that's what they had agreed on prior to the game. Nobody who was over the age of 18. And uh, later they were able to document that one of the stars for the Snohomish team, Walter Thornton, uh, had in fact just turned 19. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of controversy uh, about that game, but uh, they got into it in about. And again, it depends on which paper you you believe. But there was uh, at least uh, six inches of snow on the field, and may have been even as much as a foot. And it sounded like a lot of the game was just skating and slipping and sliding around. It's kind of like the pandemic. They were playing in February rather than in the fall, so we should point that out. <laughs> That's too, right. right. Fall yep. of, and you just mentioned Walter Thornton. He, he went on to his own uh, distinctions later on in life, right? I mean, he's somebody that maybe baseball fans might know. He was a marvelous athlete and uh, came to Snohomish as a youngster and uh, grew up then in Snohomish and uh, really made his uh, – his big fame in baseball, and uh, played as a youngster and then got an opportunity to get into the big leagues and spent four years with the team that was a predecessor to the Chicago Cubs. And in 1898, he pitched a no-hit, no-run game for that team. And unfortunately, he got into a hassle with the owner of the team and as a result, ended up playing only 24 uh, years. So he was like 27 years old when he retired from Major League Baseball, which is really a shame because uh, he was an outstanding athlete. And you know you're going back a ways when you talk about a baseball team being the predecessor of the Chicago Cubs. Yes. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's really going back. They and were the Chicago Colts. The Colts, okay, <laughs> something I did not know. And, and now Everett had a, a player of fame on their own, of their own right, right? Yeah, actually, uh, the one that I think I had mentioned to you previously was Leroy Vernon. And uh, he was instrumental in putting this game together. And uh, Vernon was a, a, a member of the graduating class of Everett High School of 1894. There were six people in that class, and, and uh, two of them played in this game. And uh, Vernon then went on to the University of Chicago uh, where he was captain of the baseball team, and then got into journalism and was with the Chicago Daily News from 1902 to 1938, and he died in 38 at the age of 60. But he became a foremost political columnist. Uh, he'd be have a name something like George Will does today, okay. yep. and was at one time president of the very prestigious Gridiron Club, and in 1912, he was the publicity director for William Howard Taft when Taft was uh, trying to get reelected as president. Uh, so, yeah, Vernon had a very illustrious career, uh, a, a guy that uh, I hadn't heard much about till I started studying these early sports and then found out that, uh, yeah, this, this guy really made a name for himself. And we should point out the final score of that game for anybody who may have been in interested and wasn't around at the time. <laughs> Snohomish 10, Everett 0. Yes. Not, probably not a field goal and a touchdown either. I'm thinking <laughs> they were keeping a different scoring system back yeah, then. Yeah, at that time, uh, touchdowns were five points. Oh, so okay. Snohomish count, uh, scored two touchdowns in the first half and got the 10 to nothing lead. And uh, then Everett kind of held them in the second half. And they were pretty proud of that. In fact, they invited Snohomish to come back and play them again on March 1st. And uh, they got uh, a field ready in, in Everett uh, over, well, actually, it'd be pretty much downtown Everett now. And, uh, and Snohomish did not agree to play the game. And so Everett said, oh, they're, you know, they're afraid of us now. <laughs> but uh, Snohomish did come back in uh, September of 1894, and they beat Everett 42 to nothing. Now, you said, uh, talking about the county seat, was it on the line in that game? 
No. Oh, no. okay. It was just... Uh, it wasn't winner take all. No, not at all. And, okay. and the county seat thing uh, was a real battle between Everett and Snohomish that went on for about four years, finally ended up in the state Supreme Court, and they'd had this uh, election, and... Uh, Snohomish had produced evidence that Everett had gone down to Seattle and recruited people to come up and vote. They paid him a dollar a vote. And <laughs> so Everett, good money uh, you, know, you know, Larry, things haven't changed really, have they? <laughs> well, and Everett responded and, and uh, because they had lists of some of the Snohomish voters where the only other place you could find their name were on the gravestones in the Snohomish Cemetery. So, yeah, it was pretty ghastly. And finally the Supreme Court... Uh, stepped in and decreed that Everett was indeed the county seat. Because, see, Everett was just a, a young city then. didn't get started until 1891, where Snohomish had been the pillar of the, of the, right. the county, uh, having started in the late 1850s. So having Snohomish have to, to give in to this new industrial city uh, was difficult. Now, Larry, I'm going to give you a quiz. Do you know what Snohomish was called, the name of the town, before it was Snohomish? Oh, let's see. Was it Katieville? Oh, dang. You thought you could get Larry O'Donnell? <laughs> I thought O'Donnell? I was going to get this him. This is Larry O'Donnell we've got on the phone <laughs> <Okay>. here. <laughs> it was Katieville. Yep. Well, and just think, if, if they had actually let the, the football game dictate who would have gotten the county seat, we might be doing this show over in Snohomish right now That's rather right. than on Colby right. Avenue. The big city. <laughs> or, or even taking this back further, if uh, <clears throat> things had gone as they might have, we'd have Muckle Teal as a county seat because that's who Snohomish took it from. Mm. Oh, the things okay. you learn on Prep Sports Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Larry, it's always fun. Like I said, we, we didn't think we could go back any further than 1920, and you surprised us yet again. So the uh, the first game ever of 1894, once again, the final score, Snohomish 10, Everett 0. Larry O'Donnell, thank you for your time tonight. Oh, it's a pleasure. I, I have fun doing this. <laughs> There we go. Thanks again to Larry O'Donnell for being on the and show with us. Contrary to popular belief, you were not the PA announcer for that game. I right? was not. Even no. though it was in snow. No, Mark Ock had filled in for me that <laughs> night. <laughs> Nicely done. I like that. <laughs> Today's show brought to you by Allstate Insurance Agent Brian Reed, Everett Safe and Lock, Ace Hardware Stores at Everett, Lake Stevens, and Stanwood, Glass by Lund, The Buzz Inn Steakhouse, Hometown Handyman, Screen Printing Northwest, and by the Law Office of Russell and Hill. And Steve, who did we have on the show tonight? On the show tonight, we had Austin Johnson, Mount Lake Terrace High School alum, Briar native, all-around good guy, ultra-marathon runner who just recently ran 80 miles over 24 hours to raise awareness and funds for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. We then talked to Granite Falls head football coach Brandon Davis. And then we talked to Jackson volleyball head coach Mindy Schoutinger. Close. Close enough. Good enough. There we go. And then Everett, our very own historian, Larry O'Donnell, joined us on the final segment. So that is it for this week. High school football in earnest with the Western Conference gets underway tomorrow. And play, a lot of them on Saturday. A lot of them on Saturday. Matter of fact, I think I'm doing a doubleheader on Saturday over at Edmonds Stadium starting at 1. So there's a lot going on this week. Um, tennis got going on Tuesday. Unfortunately, a lot of the teams were rained out today. Right. Soccer, volleyball, cross country. Everybody in action finally and out there doing their thing. So congratulations and best wishes to all of our athletes. And we'll talk to a whole bunch of people next week. That's it for Prep Sports Weekly. For Steve Willis, I'm Tom Lafferty. Good night from Everett. KRKO Everett, K237GN, AM 1380, and FM 95.3. Your music. James Taylor, Chicago. Beatles. Huey Lewis. Now, more of Everett's greatest hits. K-R-K-O. I was a little too tall, could've used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, harder than nouns. She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes. And points all her own. Sudden way up high Way up firm and high Out past the cornfields where the woods got heavy Out in the back seat of my 60 Chevy Working on mysteries without any clues Working on a night move 
Seeker, Night Moves. A music mix designed to pick you up. Oh, yeah. So much fun. Great fun music. KRKO.